So I just wanted to first of all say how you were doing. So how are you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm good. I'm doing really well. Um, I've been very, very busy at work, but um, it's been good. Um, just. Yeah, I was just in Vegas this past week for a trade show, and so we were, like, um, presenting our bikes to different bike dealers, and um, okay. it's just a totally different world, but it's it's really cool. Um, it's really interesting. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, so the class that I'm taking right now and what this is for is for social media strategies in museums. So we're looking at all the different social media strategies. Um, and actually, at the end of the semester, we'll be working on a, like, campaign sort of thing. So, oh, cool. Yeah, it's That's very, very so interesting class. And I'm, really I'm glad interested. that they're doing that because I feel like social media is kind of, like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's not something that's always in the forefront of people's brains with uh, museums especially. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, hopefully it will become more in the front of people's brains. Um, yeah. <laughs> As it becomes yeah. more and more popular and more and more of a way to connect with visitors. Um, so my first question is really just more about your background. I, I know a little bit, um, but just for everyone else who has to listen to this, um, mm -hmm. this is about what made you go into the field, um, things like that, um, oh. how you got started in the Museum of Tolerance, and what led you to where you are today. Sure. So um, I went to Indiana University and I studied journalism and I always kind of like was very interested in human rights. That was my mm -hmm. thematic focus. I was doing news writing with a concentration on human rights and with mm -hmm. a um, also we were allowed to have like geographic um, like concentrations as well. And so I specifically focused on Africa, so like human rights in Africa. So that was like my main beat when I was. Um, mm -hmm. So like that was like I went to Kenya and and reported on HIV and then did like a bunch of stuff through the university, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and so I always knew that kind of human rights was something that I was interested in pursuing um, in one way or another. And then mm -hmm. I moved to LA once I graduated. And my mom told me, um, my my parents lived in L.A. back in, like, 93 to 94 when I was, like, two. And um, they, my mom took me to the Museum of Tolerance when I was, like, a baby. And it, it okay. just opened. I think the museum opened in, like, 93, maybe. And so it literally just opened. Yeah. Um, and so and she really enjoyed it. She thought it was a very a meaningful experience. And so when I first moved out here, she was like, you know, I think the Museum of Tolerance might be a pretty good fit for you. If you ever see anything, like, I would jump at it. And I was just looking for anything at that point that's applicable to my yeah. major, applicable to anything, really. And um, so I came across a Craigslist posting, looking for something else, actually. But I came across a Craigslist posting that they were hiring um, a ticket desk person. But... I wasn't particularly interested in the ticket desk position. I just right. wanted to like meet with HR and see if mm -hmm. it was fit. So I brought my resume um, that was more like journalism focused, and um, we, me and HR Donna, hit it off pretty well. And she was like, "Yeah, like I can see this isn't the position that you want, but um, this might be." you know, good for you in the long run, and so I'll let you know if we have anything. I think I might have something coming up for you. Um, and then in a few months, she let me know that the 
position of, I think it's like program assistant um, came up and that was working with Arlene to schedule like steps and stuff like that. And so I started off there and um, quickly I kind of, I'd met Leba, the director of the museum, mm -hmm. obviously, and um, I kind of had asked uh, what the deal was with social media and she was like, well, we don't really do it. Like, I think that there was a Twitter account, a Facebook account, but mm -hmm. none of that had been populated in months. Like, I think, like, maybe some interns had, like, posted things here and there, but, like, they weren't, it wasn't something they were seriously investing in. And this was back in 2013 or 2014 when, like, you know, they probably should have been investing in it, quite honestly. And so I sort of brought that up with her and, um, I sort of, like, laid out what I thought we could do at the minimum. Mm -hmm. And, it ended up after a few months like turning into a job offer where um, I would be kind of the digital marketing person and it, it was, but it ended up being mostly social media. Um, and so it was turned into them, this, this social media and digital strategist position. So that's, right. that's, that's pretty much how I came to be in that position. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, we've been studying a lot of museums and the different social media strategies that they have, and some have a very strong presence, and some have pretty much no presence. So, um, right. And I remember Mark telling me, Mark, one of the other people who worked there, uh, that you pretty much started it. Um, so I was actually on that note. Uh, I was interested to hear about why you picked the particular platforms. I know we at the Museum of Tolerance use Facebook a lot. They Occasionally use Twitter, like, um, and even like sometimes they use Pinterest. I know because I helped maintain sure. that one. Um, yeah. Why you pick those particular platforms, and how did you go about identifying what platforms would be best to use? So, um, it was pretty touch and go. Um, mm -hmm. I I had had. I guess I kind of skipped this in my um, summary of how I got there. I had had a couple of internships in the past that were managing social media presence for a blog and then also for a more established nonprofit. And um, mm -hmm. and so I, I, I had my knowledge of that and I kind of came into it thinking that it was going to be like a top-down thing where I was going to be able to like implement all these things that I had learned, but it really ended up being like I needed to understand the museum before mm -hmm. I could even go about deciding what to do. Um, which I think is an important point for museums is like there's not one hard fast strategy that one should use because museums are all so incredibly different that what mm -hmm. works for LACMA certainly, you know, does may not work for the Museum of Tolerance, may not work for the Skirball, may not work for et cetera. So um, okay. I think that what I realized was coming from a more marketing background, um, it mm -hmm. was easier for me to – I sort of was like, what, you know, thinking of, of myself, like, what are the things that I like to engage with on social media? And when it comes to, like, Facebook, things tend to be a little bit more, especially these days, political, and you can get mm -hmm. more of a response out of people um, when you, there, there's more discussion going on, whereas um, with Twitter, you're a little limited by that 140 character count, and, and that was a really big struggle for me, because there's so much in the museum that needs ample explaining and there was just not enough 
like Twitter wasn't the right platform because it was like there there just wasn't there there wasn't this sort of like thirty second summary I could give. It was like a conversation that needed to happen or mm-hmm. you know, just like information that needed to be dropped, but it couldn't nothing that I wanted to get across was really get acrossable by Twitter, I guess. It just wasn't the preferred medium. It was not doing well for us. And so mm-hmm. I sort of like I would link out on Twitter. Like I would I would link to things that we posted on Facebook or posted on Instagram. Instagram was good for us because um what I basically tried to do was take on Instagram specifically, I tried to take more of the inspirational aspects of the museum. Like for instance, mm-hmm. and I think I we definitely talked about this at length when we worked together, but um yeah. like for instance, all of the different Anne Frank quotes that are just so inspiring and timeless mm-hmm. and and just so relevant today and and just sort of like using her words as as like inspiration or mm-hmm. just like a little thought of the day. And I think that that people on, when they get on Instagram, they want things like that, right? Like they want mm-hmm. like a little inspiration and they want that little thing that's going to make them think for the day or, and, but on Facebook, it's more like, it's a little easier to get people kind of like thinking discourse wise. And so I focus mainly on those two platforms just because we seem to have mm-hmm. the most engagement. So I just, you know, watered where things were already growing. That was kind of my strategy because I was just one person. And I think that, you know, with Pinterest, it was good for teachers because a lot of teachers mm-hmm. are on Pinterest. And we had a lot of um, we had a lot of resources that weren't really being put out there into the interweb universe um, for one reason mm-hmm. or another. And, and that was a good way to get teachers involved, um, and mm-hmm. they were, like, a pivotal aspect of the museum, uh, obviously, like, teachers facilitate, um, like, those field trips and everything, so it was a good way to get our name on their radars, um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I would say that those were the main ones. At the very end of my time at the museum, I had started toying with, um, what is it called, um, oh, the live stream one. Um, okay, yeah, Periscope. Uh, I don't think yeah, people are I know using you it so much Periscope anymore. While I was there. Yeah, okay, yeah. So at the very end, I would say like the last couple months, um, I was um, using Periscope for uh, Hate to Hope and for Holocaust survivors um, just mm-hmm. because it was a good way for people who weren't able to physically come, um, you know, they were able to like – hear testimony and ask questions and it was good on slow days at the museum because they the, the speakers were able to get like these really mm-hmm. good questions from people all over the world and so that was really special but I'm not really sure what's going on with Periscope now um but yeah so that was the end of my time there I started dabbling more with that but um mainly I would say Facebook and Instagram were kind of like the the bread and butter all right, yeah. Well, and I remember when I was interning with you, too, we had talked a little bit about that, especially with the Pinterest and stuff that I was helping with, too. Yeah, um, yeah, So what were some of the strategies that you used while you were there um, to decide, like, what to post or what to talk about? And you may have touched on this already, but just to go in a little bit more detail. Yeah. Sure. Um, basically, my strategy, like, to get more specific about it, um, and again, I want to stress that like every institution is different because like 
you know, their audience may be made up of different, like, gender, a different, like, gender breakup or, like, age especially. And so um, for mm-hmm. us, reason, like, weekday morning and, like, Sunday afternoons were just super hot times for our audience. And so I tried to post something, like, on Facebook, I tried to post some thought-provoking things during the week and then during the weekend, something more a little, like, lighthearted and inspirational because that's what, like, people's mindsets were kind of doing at that time. And mm-hmm. so I, I found it worked pretty well because I started off just, like, not having a strategy at all and just kind of posting willy-nilly. And then um, in the middle of, like, my first year as doing social media for the museum, uh, Facebook changed its algorithm to where mm-hmm. um, business pages were, unless you went in and, like, pressed turn notifications on to a specific page, you weren't uh-huh. really going to get much traction there. Like, they, they started favoring personal profiles over business profiles, which mm. is whatever. But um, so I turned – at that time, I ended up turning more of my efforts, more of my strategic efforts, to Instagram because there was no algorithm at that point. They only recently changed the algorithm after I left the museum. And so I'm not sure how that is affecting people now. But um, mm-hmm. for for us, like, I tried to get people while they were online in the morning. Like, I found that people were checking their Facebook between, like, 7 and 9 a.m., and they were, like, engaging the most during that time. And so I would try to, like, mm-hmm. find some pretty thought-provoking things. And I would say sort of the – just the, like, message of, like, events and stuff that we were having. I tried to I, – I tried to do those for, like – I don't know. I, I tried to make those less of a priority because I just found that we were dropping off in that sense. And we weren't getting mm-hmm. a lot of attendance for of events from there, but we were getting a lot of good, like, reputation building from these mm-hmm. sort of other posts that I was doing about human rights, um, around, like, human rights issues mm-hmm. around the world, and so, yeah, I pretty much just utilized that for Facebook, and then on Instagram, I was just doing a lot of, like, I did um, something to kind of, like, get me, get us some more, like, followers initially and more engagement mm-hmm. as I did like this, I think it was like a hundred days of happiness or like a hundred days of, um, like you basically post every day for a hundred days, just something that's mm-hmm. like good that happened. And I thought that it was a good way for the museum to sort of debut their Instagram, our Instagram, because, um, a lot of people viewed the museum as like a very solemn, serious, um, institution. Mm-hmm. And so by doing this, like a hundred days of happy or happy hundred, I, uh, I need to look this up what it actually was, but, um, by doing this challenge, it was, um, it was a way to just sort of show like, this is not exactly like what you think of the museum, but this is what's going on inside. Like there's a lot of goodness that's happening in here to kind of make it more like you want to follow this. Like this is not going to be, this is not going to bring mm-hmm. you down. It's going to bring you up and this is going to remind you never to like, forget about history, but also just yeah. remain grateful and, you know, yeah. um, I found that that was a good way and we gained a lot of followers that way and we, we peaked engagement a lot that way. So that, that was 
that was a strategy that I had used. Um, I also um, hosted that Instagram event, um, mm-hmm. helped us with that. Um, which was I remember nice. that event. Yeah, it was the empty MOT event where I emptied the museum on one Thursday night and invited a bunch of Instagram influencers in. And that just was a really big success for us because it got us on the radar of a lot of like millennials in LA specifically because they were all LA based photographers that had tens Mm -hmm. of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of followers and um, a lot of influence. And so that was, that was a really good thing for us um, and for me in particular. So uh, mm-hmm. I'd say that was another strategy that I that I used with Instagram. So, yeah, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> you know what? It's okay. Um, don't worry about it. Um, especially in regards to, like, human rights and, like, some of the more difficult topics that the museum presents because they do present some very difficult topics, especially in today's society. What was – what are some of the tactics that you help to navigate the conversation, especially on more on, this is probably more on Facebook, that mm-hmm. the conversation would be taking place? Um, what I did mostly, just recognizing that, like, these were some tough, these are some tough conversations to have and to try to, like, get people to engage with. Um, what I tried to do was, like, use, kind of use inspiration from our Holocaust survivors and use, like, famous quotes mm-hmm. about, like, never never letting history repeat itself. And, and those are sort of things that are really important to the museum, those, those sorts of, like, sound bites and stuff. And so it sort of using that to not exactly, like, make a statement about current issues in the country, but... Mm-hmm. Just to be like you can't you can't forget like where we started and you can't forget all these things that happened and 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 it, it was a lot easier to talk about it when framing it from quotes that we have within the museum and ideas that mm-hmm. we present to the museum and it makes it a little bit more digestible I found um, when you mm-hmm. start off things that like a quote that everyone has heard um, and they can kind of like think about it and and not just not just focused on the polarizing aspects of, like, a human rights atrocity in the U.S., for example, but, like, Mm -hmm. just sort of thinking about it more, um, thinking about it more in the historical context that the museum presents. I found that it it was more approachable, I guess, for people because they felt like they were able to weigh in. Because it's a little intimidating when you just post about a current event and just have thoughts. You know, it's like that's a little tough because, people aren't experts and people don't like, I mean, a lot of people on social media claim to be experts, but a lot of people like, or they shy away from stuff like that because it's a little intimidating. But if once you kind of like bring in these, Mm -hmm. these ideas, these age old ideas that we present, I think it it becomes like an easier place and a more approachable place for people to have that sort of discourse. Um, Yeah. And I, I, I don't have all the answers, but I did find like, through trial and error that that was the best way to get people to sort of speak up about it it's just like yeah like Anne Frank was right like that that is exactly right or I don't know like when mm-hmm. Churchill like that I've heard that quote before and it totally relates and here's why like it just sort of like gives them a reason to respond so mm-hmm. I don't know yeah that's yeah that was well, that's my that. 
this is all based on your own experience anyway. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. Not know all the answers, but yeah. Um, kind of shifting gears here. Um, mm-hmm. I know you were a one-woman rock star while you were there. Yeah. Um, what I know you, and I'm sure you coordinate with all the departments on some level, um, especially with Alana, who is in charge of the interns, making sure that oh, yeah. that support. Um, what were some of the other ways that you coordinated with the other departments to learn what was going on, things like that? So that was probably the most important part of my job was just making sure that I had a good relationship with all the various departments so that I was constantly aware of what was going on because it it Mm -hmm. quickly became apparent to me when I got to the museum that it was not going to be obvious what was going on in the museum unless I asked questions Um, Mm -hmm. because people, you know, they aren't thinking about social media. Like, Mm -hmm. especially people that are older you know, directors or whatever, like directors of certain departments, like they're not thinking like, oh, this would be great for social media. At least the museum's directors and and higher-ups were not. And so Mm -hmm. I quickly realized even with more, even with people who are more socially, social media savvy, like Mark Patrick, you mentioned earlier, like even he is not thinking about my job all day long. And so it was just kind of, thing in the morning and in, in the beginning of the week rather I guess when I would think about like what we had going on and just making sure that I checked in and, and was like mm-hmm. you know I can't be there at this time but does someone have a cell phone or is someone able to like write a note about this or like what time should I be there or like is there a photo opportunity or could someone write down a quote for me it was just like and what I realized is that every department wants more attention on what they're doing. And so it was it once I just kind of put it out there, like, I, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to yeah. help the archives. I'm trying to help the events department. I'm trying to help, you know, whatever. And so I just had to be on top of it. And because they, mm-hmm. like I said, they weren't immediately thinking about me during the day. Um, but there were all these opportunities that were happening and all these, like, really special interactions and conversations that were happening that I couldn't, because you said I was a one-person team, I couldn't physically be there because I also managed the website. And so there, that was, a, like, a, that was a job in itself. I mean, like, I could have spent my entire time at the museum managing the website, but I had this whole other really important duty. And so I um, pretty much just tried to check in with everyone as much as possible, being like, what's going on today? And people would try to play it off, like, oh, we just have the tools department would say, like, oh, we just have some, like, random police officers coming in for this. And it's just, like, there's a lot more there than they may let on. And so you kind of have to be, I think that's where my journalism background came in a little bit more. You kind of have to be, like, investigative and just kind of, like, mm-hmm. like and people may not think of it as, like, oh, you don't want to cover this. Or, like, it's, it's not for social media, but you need to decide that, not them. Like, you need to decide mm-hmm. um, what's important and, and what would be good for our followers and what would be good for our audience. So that's, I, I would say, among, like, the top three most important things about my job. I don't, I couldn't, like, list them, but I, I definitely would say that coordinating with other departments and having a good relationship with other departments was key to my success in the role as, like, social media manager, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I, I'm sure this is especially true because you were doing it all yourself since the museum of tolerance is smaller than 
some other institutions like LACMA who may have a couple of people on staff who are focusing just sure. on this, or just doing the website, one person and one person's focusing purely on social media. Um, so what were some of the other ways, is that the main way you overcame the limitations of like doing it all yourself, um, trying to coordinate with these other departments? Were there other ways that you overcame those limitations? And I may have missed some limitations. Um, so I feel free to speak to that too. I, I would definitely say that I can't, I cannot speak for other institutions, but um, my, one of the biggest limitations, uh, if I'm being honest, of just working at the museum was that um, doing my position at the museum was that people had a hard time getting on board with social media. Um, there people were very used to the way that we had done things with we had a PR department. We did not have a marketing department. And, you know, maybe 15 years ago, that was the norm to just do all of your sort of press outreach and advertising via your PR department. Um, but things have really changed. And now marketing is PR. PR is marketing. Marketing is social media, and social media is marketing. It's not just for pers personal use. Um, mm -hmm. and so that was a tough thing coming in when people had pre-established um, jobs and they, you know, weren't exactly, um, weren't always flexible um, with, with what they needed to be doing to stay relevant. And I think mm -hmm. that was probably the biggest challenge was I, I, tried, my, I tried my very best to, um, to not, you know, not think that I knew best um, and not be arrogant, but also kind of bring to the higher-ups attention that we needed to be um, we needed to be doing more in the digital space. And that was a tough thing for people. And and um, I found that everyone was okay when I was um, just doing things on my own time. But when I required other people's assistance, or when I required um, having physical space in the museum or like mm -hmm. that that's when it got a little bit harder is when I actually asked for things and didn't just sort of do things behind the scenes um I, I found that I got a lot of freedom when it came to what I posted there wasn't a whole lot like in the very beginning people watched me very closely and then I think once they realized like she has a good hand on this she's using our material with sensitivity and with you know, grace or whatever. Uh, but mm -hmm. what it what it came down to was like when I had other ideas about like we should really be recording this or we should really be live streaming this or we should really, um, you know, we should really be taking pictures during this time. We should really be interviewing these people. That's like when it when it came down to like involving more people. That that's when it that's when I had trouble. And so yes, I guess having friends in other departments helped. Um, but I think that for the Museum of Tolerance in particular, it was it was it was tough for people to kind of take a risk on me and mm -hmm. and to sort of trust that I, I had the best interests at heart for the institution when I asked them for their time or their space or their opinion. You know, it was like you know, I don't know. It it was a little it was a little hard. Um that was probably the most difficult part was that I was hired to do this, and then, um, but not everyone.
complied with what I what I had in mind, which is fine. But um, it was it was tough to do my job at certain points because there were some people that didn't literally understand what social media was, and mm. that, that's hard. That's a hard conversation to have with someone that you're trying to get something from. <laughs> you're asking a favor from, and, and they they don't even believe in what you're doing. So it's yeah. That's a tough thing, and it's something that, like, kind of everyone needs to be on board with. And I think that that probably happens with everyone, honestly. Like, I've I've talked to a number of social media people um, at actual social media firms and, Mm -hmm. you know, very tech-savvy institutions, and and they all experience that. So I think it's part of this new field, right? Like, I, I think that, that it's not it's not specific to the museum tolerance, but I do think that I that was probably my biggest struggle was, was getting other people on board with what I was doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did you find it got easier the longer you were there? Mm, that's tough because I I felt that the longer I was there, the more I wanted to take on. And mm-hmm. while I think that it got easier for me personally, it got harder for me in my relationship with others at the museum because I needed more out of them. And, okay. like, as the, as the project that I had, like, got bigger, um, I felt like at first I was just asking for pictures and, and then I started asking for more, like, can I be here for this? And then I started asking more for, like, can we do a Q&A on this? And can we do what? And then it just kind of became like, I, I sort of felt like I was burdening people a little bit. And I didn't really mm-hmm. mind um, because I knew that I had the institution's best interest at heart. But I think in a way it almost got a little bit more difficult um, because I had bigger, you know, higher expectations and bigger dreams for for my position than I think people were really ready to give up for me. So um, in a way, it was it was easier for me personally, but it was hard for me um, in dealing with other departments along mm-hmm. the way. It got, it got a little more strained. Yeah, and more complicated, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know that you're no longer there, and you're working for uh, – for, it's like Westridge something. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> Westridge Outdoors, yeah. Westridge Outdoors. I remembered half of it. Um, (laughs) You did. Good job. Are they considered to be a for-profit company? I think they are. They are, yeah. Definitely. I definitely work for a for-profit now. Um, So since you've kind of transitioned roles, I'm sure there are things that museums can learn from companies, especially in regards to marketing and things like that. What are some of the takeaways that, we as museum professionals can learn from a for-profit company and how they do their marketing, how they use social media. Well, I think that, um, and again, like obviously I know you're only interviewing me and I can only speak for my personal experience. I'm in a little bit more of like a startup environment. And so mm-hmm. I can't speak for all non for all for-profits. Um, it's not a startup, but it's like an eight-year-old company. My boss, the CEO of the company is 27 years old. So it is very, like, startup-y, um, very young. Um, and so I, what I think 
I, I thought about this. I, what I think that museums in particular could learn is just to think outside the box a little bit more and thinking about, like, not not being so educational. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think that, that that was always a really hard thing for me um, at the Museum of Tolerance because it is so educational and it's not LACMA and it's not the Getty where you can be a little bit more lighthearted. But I think even the Museum of Tolerance could stand to be a little bit more um, spontaneous in, in what they – in what they do, and, like, I think that there's there's room to sort of, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a better word besides, or a better phrase besides think outside the box, but I think that um, instead of just having your sole mission with social media to be blasting out all the information that you have within the museum, I think that mm-hmm. you can be a little bit more creative and a little bit more, like, cheesy of, like, things to come and um, put more emphasis in like um, like graphic design and especially like Instagram and like being a little less about just like the literal information that needs to be purveyed and, and more, I think that they could look at some like ad campaigns of certain for-profits and, and take mm-hmm. some notes because everyone really likes that. Everyone likes a little intrigue and they like um, – they they like these sort of sneak peeks and stuff. And I think that what I notice a lot, I still follow a lot of um, museums, obviously because I worked with a lot of other museums. But um, I, I think that there's a lot of times I notice kind of a specific template, right, that's kind of used mm-hmm. in social media. It's like, this is what we're doing. It's the who, what, where, when, why. And I think that it could be a lot more like, um, you know, next week and then just, like, dropping a little teaser or something. I think, like, I think people would appreciate that a little bit more, and I think that um, that's something that I've I've learned having worked at now this outdoor for-profit startup situation is just sort of, like, you don't need to show all of your cards and you don't need to, like, put all of the information out there. You just need to be, you need to, like, add a little intrigue and you need to just... Um, you you just you don't need to put everything out there at once. You don't need to tell them the who, what, where, when, why at one time. Um, and I think that that was something that was always difficult at the museum because there was so much information that needed to be put out there. I found that I was just like pasting paragraph after paragraph into Facebook and Instagram captions, and it was just like not what people wanted to read. Like it was not what was catching people's eyes. And while there's mm-hmm. a certain group of people who were, like, willing to read all of that, like, m- the majority of people on social media will just pass that shit by, honestly, because it's not something that's, like, it's not something that's appealing when you have to read paragraph after paragraph. It's, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a big need of, like, video content, I think, um, especially at the Museum of Tolerance um, and, and getting, getting, you know, quotes from people who have visited, just little teasers like that, I think would be, that's like a very minimal thing, but I think I've thought about that a lot, and I think that that would be something that I would enjoy following more. And I always I always try to think of things like, what would I follow, like, beyond just, like, what I'm taking notes on when I'm on Instagram or whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. what, what would I genuinely enjoy following? And I think that's sort of what, I, what I've come up with. <laughs> 
makes sense. Well, I would I would agree. Having studied a little bit more about different ways that museums have posted, um, the most interesting ones are the ones that catch your eye with fun things and like make it a little bit more interesting than here's the facts, all the facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. That has you also can... been my experience too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Just to kind of wrap up, I just wanted to hear what you've loved about working at the Museum of Commerce and any advice you have for both myself and my entire class as we embark on this journey of integrating more and more social media in whatever institution we end up working in. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that my favorite part about working at the Museum of Tolerance specifically was just I mean, it was all the people that worked at the museum, from the Holocaust survivors to the docents, the interns, to the Tzitzitza people, to everyone. Like, I really felt that um, what what happens in there is very special. And there's that's why it was really nice to do social media for the Museum of Tolerance, is because, like, when you have that package, um, it's it's easy to want to show it off. The problem, I think, with social media is when you have something that lacks, and then you have to present it, and you have to lie, and you have to embellish. Right? I think mm-hmm. that um, I think that it, my job was made a lot easier by the fact that there were so many genuine souls and so much hard work that went into the Museum of Tolerance. And so, while there were these roadblocks in my way of like you know politics between departments and stuff at the end of the day like we were trying to honor holocaust survivors and we were trying to honor their testimonies and we were trying to honor history and trying to make the world a better place and you know that at the end of the day makes you feel good and Mm -hmm. it made me feel good that coming i you know i'm from indiana i'd never met a holocaust survivor in my life and then you know, within a couple of years at the Museum of Tolerance, I knew personally, like on a very intimate level, like 25 to 30 Holocaust survivors. And it was really special to me. And I got to know them through my job, but also through just being there, the proximity of, of being around them. And I got to know them as people. And it just made my job a lot more meaningful that way because I, I felt that I could accurately um, relay their quotes and, and things about them on social media. I felt confident in that because I got to know them personally. And I think that that, I guess, is important in a museum to not outsource your social media. I guess that would be a big takeaway that I would tell your classmates um, and you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I don't know if museums do it, but I know that a lot of institutions do it where they will outsource social media and um, because there are experts out there that will give you all these numbers and figures and all this engagement and stuff, but it's not, in my opinion, an appropriate conversation to have as a museum because museums are so intimate and they're so different. Every museum is so different, and I feel like you really need to have someone in-house um, that's there every day, that understands that understands all the different personalities at the museum, that understands the artifacts, and understand. Like for me, you know, I gave tours a lot when we were shorthanded, and like I had to know that museum 
you know, front and back. And um, I wasn't always the best at it, but it was, it was, I think that that was necessary for me to do my job. I couldn't just go in there being the social media person. And I think that that is important when you're talking about museum professionals, which I'm sure you and your class are all aspiring to be. I think that you can't just go in and want to be the social media person. You have to go in and just acclimate yourself to the specific environment and not take your previous, I mean, obviously take your previous knowledge in, but not dictate all your decisions based on things that work with other institutions and Mm -hmm. just really be a sponge for a little bit and just really like understand what is going on before you kind of create a strategy and then you can kind of just see what works from there. Um, That would be probably my biggest advice. And I would also just say that um, having gone through this, but there especially I think at museums, there are a lot of departments and schools of thought that will try to try to say that social media is not a not a priority, but as we all know, um, that's what young people are doing. And if we want young people to get involved with museums, a good way to do that is to find them on social media and to get their attention on social media before they're in a position to give money before they're in a position to buy memberships. And I think that like capturing this group of people that are very interested in the world. Um, I think millennials are very interested in the world. I think this is a very unique time and opportunity to tap into this, this audience. And I think that I really do believe that museums will reap the rewards later on for putting in effort with these people. Um, so I guess that's, that's sort of what I feel. <laughs> well, that sounds like great advice. Um, and I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to interview with me. I really appreciate oh, it. Um, of course. <laughs> I know I'm kind of all over the place. I, I'm sorry. I hope that any of that was useful. <laughs> It was, I promise.